0: The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. If you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, would you join me? Genesis chapter 25. As we come to the end of our study together on the life of Abraham, next week we'll begin our study of the book of Hebrews. And we will spend our Advent season in the first part of chapter 1, looking at at those verses um, together Genesis chapter 25, the first 11 verses. Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shuha. Jokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Ashuram. Ledushim, Lumim, the sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanoch, Abadah, Elda. And these were the children of Keturah. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. But to the sons of his concubines Abram gave gifts. While he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward towards the east country. And These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. And Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man full of years, and was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There, Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled in Beer Lahai, Roy. Three thoughts this morning. As we look at the death of Abraham. A longing, a legacy, and lasting promises. We find Abraham in the twilight years of his life. He is an old man, full of days. Sarah, his beloved wife, has passed away. He was buried here in this cave that Abraham purchased in the promised land as a burial place for her. And in his later years, he has remarried. He's remarried a lady named Keturah. And God has blessed him with more children. Genesis chapter 25 is a little interesting in its layout because it doesn't necessarily follow chronological order. It most likely isn't that Abraham died and then Isaac had children, but that Isaac had children while Abraham was still living. There's a a large span of years here, right? I mean, just look at the, the sheer number of people who were born during this time. By the, the best estimates, Abraham was married to Keturah for somewhere between uh, 35 and, and 38 years. They had a, a long life together, a long life together. Keturah is a sort of an enigma in the scriptures. We don't know a whole lot about her. We do know that her name meant spices. That was her name, it meant spices. And many of the names of their children together are uh, Arabian in nature. And so it probably was that Abraham, along with Keturah and his children, were the, the main people engaged in the international spice trade in the Arabian Peninsula. And in these later years of Abraham's life, you would have seen... Uh, His wealth continuing to increase. His name continuing to increase. As he rose up sort of the societal ranks to become a major player in the, the spice trade throughout the Arabian Peninsula. And as he sends his sons out to live in different areas there. A number of sons are born to Abraham. Uh, Some of these names were probably familiar to you, some maybe not so much. Among these sons, one in particular is uh, Midian. Midian has a son whose name is Jethro. And Jethro is Moses' father-in-law. And Jethro is considered one of the wisest men in all of the Old Testament. And so you see how God is weaving the covenant blessings, the story, the life, the faith of Abraham into the the continuing story of what God is doing in the world. What we see in these verses in chapter 25 is God's promises to Abraham coming to fruition. I know we've been in Genesis for a little while. I think it's probably worth going back to remember the promises made by God. In Genesis chapter 13, starting in verse 14... I will give it to you. Promises of God that there would be an inheritance of land and that this land would be inhabited by a growing number of offspring. So great in fact would the offspring of Abraham be that they would be greater than the dusts of the earth if anyone could count that high. What we see God's Blessings coming to fruition as Ishmael has children, as Isaac has children, as all of these sons have children. Tribes and nations born out of Abraham keeping the promises of God. Again, in Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will... You give me, for I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And now behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. All of these sons become countless tribes, countless nations, countless peoples. Certainly what we see in this brief genealogy is a longing of Abraham fulfilled. A longing to have heirs, a longing to have children after a hundred years of barrenness. God is faithful to His promises. But this wasn't the only longing of Abraham's heart. Abraham longed for a promised land. After all, that was the very first promise of, that God gave him in the wilderness of Ur. And it's this very first promise that was used to change all of human history. The first promise of God wasn't a promise for offspring. It was a promise for land. (coughs) Genesis chapter 12, the very first time in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. When the Lord God came to Abraham in the wilderness of Ur out of nowhere seemingly and said, Abraham, you are to rise and leave and journey, travel, sojourn somewhere that I will show you. And I will take you. I will lead you. I will bring you to a promised land. That was the first promise of God to Abram. And certainly, Abram's obedience to this promise call of God, this command of God to go shows us that in Abraham there was a deep longing and a deep desire for a land. After all that's what he left for. Now the writer of Hebrews clues us in to Abraham's heart and his longing for a land. Hebrews chapter 11 verse It says 8, 9, and 10. writer of Hebrews says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. By faith, Abraham obeyed. He was called by God to go out to a place that he would receive ultimately as an inheritance, not knowing where. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. But by faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. So Abraham left Ur and traveled here to to Canaan, where he has lived. But how has he lived there? He's lived as a stranger, he's lived as a sojourner. Living in tents. Living in tents. Verse 10. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. He was looking forward... He was longing for a promised land. And Abraham understood God's promises concerning the land. And yet here he is, intense, not yet possessing, breathing his last breath as a sojourner in a land he yet possessed. And so as Abraham dies here, the question for us is, was God faithful to His promise to Abraham? His promise to give a promised land, an inheritance, a possession, a place for him. Was this longing of Abraham met, even though he died not yet possessing? Well, you better believe it was met. Because the promise was never just about a piece of real estate in the Middle East. The promise of God of a promised land was an eternal inheritance kept for those who by faith receive God's grace. Remember God's words to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17 starting in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face. God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations. And kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting Possession and I will be their God. What was this promised land that Abraham longed for? It was an everlasting possession. The writer of Hebrews tells us that Abraham understood this. He longed for the city whose architect and builder was God. He longed for an everlasting possession, an everlasting inheritance. In the very city of God, with God himself. And when Abraham breathed his last in faith, he received his greatest longing. And take heart, church, because so it is with all who die in faith. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, Yes, we are of good courage, And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And when Abraham breathes his last there in a tent in Canaan, in that very moment, he's welcomed into an everlasting possession. He's welcomed into a city whose architect and builder is God. He's welcomed into the very presence of the one who's been guiding him all along. His deepest longing fulfilled. A city whose architect and builder is God. Jesus said himself that he is the architect. He is the designer. He is the builder of this city. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I will go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to Myself, that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. The disciples say, how do we know the way? We don't know the way. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the way. Jesus himself is the architect. He is the builder. He is the designer. He is the glory of the city of God that Abraham eagerly awaited and he received as an everlasting possession. His greatest longing fulfilled as people of faith. This should be our longing. Our longing should not be for earthly possessions. That was not Abraham's longing. His longing was eternal possessions. It wasn't earthly inheritance. It was eternal inheritance. This is why Jesus says in His Sermon on the Mountain, in Matthew chapter 6, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also we've heard though you've heard those verses before You've heard sermons preached on those verses before. What's Jesus' point? Jesus' point here is the direction of our longing, the direction of our hearts. What is your heart's desire? What are you longing for? Don't long to store up, to build up for yourselves earthly possessions because they're temporary, they're transient. They're they're here today and then they're they're gone. They're open for corruption. They're open for uh, theft. They're of no lasting value because they're not eternal, but instead, long for what is eternal. Long for a city whose author and builder is God. Long for an eternal possession, an eternal promise. Land. This was Abraham's longing and all the longings of Abraham's heart were fulfilled. At the moment of his death, all the longings of Abraham's heart fulfilled. Surrounded by a multitude of offspring. But most importantly, including the offspring of the covenant. Receiving an eternal promised land. In a temporary one. And experiencing the eternal blessings of an eternal covenant. All because God is faithful to His promises. God is faithful to His promises. God is faithful to His word. And He will do what He has said He will do. And he does it in the life of Abraham, even in life and death. God is faithful to his promises. What are you longing for? Is your longing for an eternal reward or earthly blessings? The second thing we see in this text this morning is a legacy. A legacy. We see Abraham taking the necessary steps, getting his affairs in order, to ensure the continuation of the blessing of the covenant through Isaac, the son of promise, but also taking care of his other children. Verse 5, Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the east country. Now, I, I, as I read that, I wondered why is this included? Why would the Holy Spirit inspire Moses to include this little section here about Abraham's will, more or less? Isaac, you get everything. All of my possessions, you get. But To my other children, I will give gifts while I'm still alive and send them eastward. Why Why is this included? The reason is because Abraham had the responsibility of ensuring that the covenant blessing, as God had planned it, would pass to Isaac. That was Abraham's responsibility that Isaac was the son of promise. And it was up to Abraham to get his affairs in order in such a way that it would ensure that. Now that might sound harsh to us as a dad with multiple children. We don't want to show favoritism. But God does as God pleases doesn't he? And God had said, Isaac, the son of Sarah, you are the promised offspring in the line of the covenant blessing. Genesis 17, starting in verse 15, and God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, you shall not call her Sarah, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who's a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who's ninety-nine years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear a son and you shall call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for the offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful. I will multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. What is this sort of parenthetical, you know, probating of a will here? It's Abraham ensuring that there is no debate as to who it is that receives the covenant blessing. From whom this blessing will continue. It is Isaac. Abraham loved all of his sons. We see that. We see that in his love for Ishmael, don't we? We see that in his love for these sons of Keturah. Giving them great gifts and sending them out. He cared for them all. But the covenant blessing was for Isaac. And Abraham took the necessary steps to ensure that. And indeed, this is exactly what we see. We see God's covenant-keeping hand of promise through Isaac. From Abraham through Isaac, in fourteen generations, we get to King David. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Fairies, Esram, Aram, Amenabad, Nasan, Salmon, Booz, which is a weird name, Obed, Jesse, and David. Fourteen generations. Guess what? Kings will come from you. Then there's another 14 generations. From Solomon to exile into Babylonia. Then from there, there's 14 generations to Jesus Christ. A king as promised. A lesser king in King David. The king of kings in <clears throat> Jesus. A lasting legacy of covenant faithfulness of God. And even when the people of God were not faithful, God remained faithful. Now indeed, we are not Abraham. Far from it. But by faith, the Scriptures tell us, we are His children. And as such, we should do everything we can to ensure that what God has begun in us by faith as a part of the covenant blessing, continues through to the next generation. You know, there's a lot of talking about leaving a legacy. But the greatest legacy that you can leave is one of faith. Faith in a trustworthy and faithful God. Was Abraham perfect? No, he wasn't perfect. Hey, guess what? Neither are we. We're not perfect. But God uses the imperfect to accomplish His perfect purposes for His glory. Abraham wasn't perfect, but he was doing all that he could to ensure that these covenant blessings continued. leaving a lasting legacy of faith. What kind of legacy are we leaving? What kind of steps are we taking to ensure the work that God has begun in us by faith through the covenant blessing of Abraham is passed on to our children and our children's children? Are we leaving a legacy that shines forth the lasting promises of God. Now, we don't see lasting promises explicitly in this text. But we do see it implicitly in this text. There's a shift that takes place, isn't there? And after the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac. His son. The covenant blessing of God continues because the promises of God are <clears throat> everlasting. These promises were not just for Abraham. These promised blessings weren't just for one man. But these promised blessings continued with Isaac. And they continued with Jacob. And they continued, and they continued, and they continued. They didn't stop there. We saw how they went all the way to King David. Fourteen generations. But God was just getting started. Generation after generation after generation after generation after generation. Twenty-eight generations of the faithfulness of God the long-suffering patience of God until God brings the real promised offspring, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the point of all of this. Jesus is the point of all of the covenant blessings of God towards Abraham, towards Isaac, towards Jacob. Jesus is the promise. He is the promised offspring. He is the promised nation blesser. He is the promised king. He is, Jesus Christ is, the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Every one of them. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him, Jesus Christ. Every promise of God finds their yes, finds their fulfillment in Jesus Christ, the promised offspring. That is why it's through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. Jesus is the everlasting promise because he lives from everlasting to everlasting because he conquered what Abraham could not, death. And now by faith in the promised offspring of Jesus Christ, all of the blessings of God are still available to us even now. These were not temporary blessings. These were not temporary promises. These are everlasting promises. For all of those who, like Abraham, come to God in faith. As we come to the end of Abraham's life, what is it that we see? Well, we've seen how God can use a person yielded to him, haven't we? To do incredible, to do remarkable things. We've seen how God accomplishes his purposes through the affairs of men. And God is sovereign enough to order Every step of every human who's ever lived. And we have seen how God is faithful to his promises. No matter what. He is a promise keeper. See, that's what Advent is about. It's about a faithful God being faithful to his promises. A promise that didn't just start with Abraham, did it? It wasn't just an offspring promised to Abraham, but it was an offspring from the very beginning promised to Eve. That there would be an offspring that would come. That would be struck, but not destroyed. But that would crush the serpent's head. Jesus is the promised offspring of Eve. Jesus is the promised offspring of Abraham. Jesus is the greater king, David. Jesus is the nation blesser in you. In your offspring, Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. And he offers these promises, not by our good works, but by our faith. And the question for us as we come to the end of our study in Abraham is, will we trust God and walk in faith longing for a promised land eternal blessings an everlasting covenant Jesus everything in history everything in life Everything in death is about you. You are the point of it all. You are what your father has been doing since the very beginning. How eagerly we await to study how you, Jesus, are the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, how you uphold the universe by the word of your power, and how you have made purifications for sin and have even now sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, how you, Jesus, are superior to all the angels and how your name is greater than any other name. We are certainly grateful for the example of faith that's been given to us in Abraham. But more than that, we are grateful for a covenant-keeping, promise-fulfilling God. And how we now, by faith, by faith alone, through grace alone, are welcomed into your people. Not because of nationality. Not because of good works. But by grace. By grace. So may we trust you. In the difficult days, may we trust you. In the dark days, may we trust you. In the good days, may we trust you. And walk in faith. Leaving a lasting legacy. Of lasting promises. Of a faithful God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit christcentralchurch.net.